Hi guys, welcome to Glitching the Code here on Iconic.com. I'm here with a new guest. I've not spoken to him before, Mika Nank. Mika is going to be speaking about astrotheology from the Bible and in the Bible and mythology of the Zodiac and encoded information. Now, I'm actually reading the Bible at the moment. I've got the Nagamadi text behind me. I'm open to interpretations um, for everything. But I'm one of these people that can't understand why people take it literally. And there's quite clearly a lot of astrotheology going on. There's a lot of mythology going there, allegories and stories to learn. The numbers part of it really fascinates me. They seem to be really fascinated or fixated on numbers, years, how many people, how long people lived, bloodlines. And it's quite clear there's much more going on here. This is where Mika comes in. He's got a PowerPoint presentation to to uh, go through. I don't want to speak too long, Mika. The show is yours. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me on. <clears throat> All right. So let's start with this. I say I start the presentation by saying employ your time in improving yourself by other men's writings so that you shall come easily what others have labored hard for. And that makes sense. I've been studying the Bible for 30 years. I've been studying esotericism and occult stuff for 20 years. I've been studying astrotheology. For 10 years, I've been teaching it for two years to the day. Um, you get all my experience in this presentation. So I basically narrow this down and make this uh, very easily digestible. So it's important to know that the Bible is made up of what is known as the seven sciences. Okay, the seven sciences are metaphysical, astrological, which we're going to get familiar with, anatomical, alchemical, spiritual, esoteric, and mythology. The Bible, however, despite how many billions of people read it, is not literal, it's not historical, it's not reality, and it's not original, okay? It's important for me to set that framework done before I continue, because it is not meant to be taken literally. It never was. Now, this is the Zodiac, and if you look at the Zodiac wheel, Cancer's at the top and Capricorn's at the bottom. This is how the Zodiac wheel should look. Any variation of it, it's not that it's incorrect, but it is incorrect. This is how the Zodiac wheels, with Cancer being at the top and, cancer, and uh, Capricorn being at the bottom. So, astrotheology is the oldest, and it's the most prevalent science in the Bible. Okay? Astrotheology goes back to what's called the Lascaux Caves. Okay, which is from 17,000 to 40,000 years ago. The reason they're called the Lascaux Caves is because the, the caves in Lascaux, France. And what happened was um, a bunch of teenagers went into it. And when they went into it, they went to the back of the wall. Here you see two articles, a Lascaux cave painting 17,000 years ago, world's oldest cave painting shows human understood complex astronomy 40,000 years ago. So they went to the back of the wall and when they went, they got there, they were surprised to see this amongst other things. Now you see the bulls on the top, you see the lions on the right and you see the horse at the bottom. Now they quickly realized when they called experts in or they called people in, that the bull was Taurus, the lion was Leo, and the horse is Sagittarius. They realized that Sagittarius is just missing the guy with the horse on him. So what happened was 
they carbon dated the wall and it came out to about 17,000 years, okay? Uh, now for those people who are religious who say carbon dating is inaccurate, they're actually half true. The people who say that carbon dating is inaccurate, uh, the people who try to give a young earth, young creation story. Um, carbon dating is actually accurate up to 50,000 years, carbon 14 dating that is, okay? When you're going beyond that to the hundred thousands to the millions of years, it, 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 it really is not very accurate at all. Okay. That's the truth of it, but it is accurate up to 50,000 years beyond that. You have to start using uranium datings. And then there's other carbon datings. There's other forms of datings that you can use. So at the time they discovered this, they carbon dated the wall and came out to 17,000 years. So what they did was they brought in an astronomer and an astrologer with the computer because we now have the technology to do this. What they did was they rewound the sky back from where they were located in Lascaux, France. They rewound the sky back to see what it looked like 17,000 years ago. They printed it out and they superimposed it on the cave and lo and behold, all the constellations lined up. Leo, the lions were where Leo was. Um, Taurus, the bull, was where the bull was. The horse is where the horse was. They, they all were. So we've understood as a humanity astrology for 17,000 years. Okay? Gen uh, there's questions you can ask in the Bible. Okay? How Jesus was able to heal the blind. How he walked on water. How he turned water into wine. Why he had 12 disciples. Why he was betrayed with a kiss by Judas. Why he was dead for three days. Why is his birthday on December 25th? All this is astrology, and I'm going to explain all of that to you. Genesis 1.14 says, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. And that's basically what this is. This is a, a giant sky calendar, okay? Now, for you guys to understand astrotheology, I have to take you through the 12 signs. And in order to take you through the 12 signs, I have to tell you the key words that are attached to each sign. So we'll start with Aquarius, which is represented by the man with the water pitcher. It goes back to the story of Zeus and Aquarius, okay? That's where it goes back to. Now, there's key words in Aquarius. For example, the son of man or man, because Aquarius is the sign of the man, whereas Virgo is the sign of the woman. Baptism, because this is how you baptize someone. Water pitcher. Fountain, stream, river, pond, lake, sea, ocean, water bodies relate to Aquarius. Makes sense. Water pitcher makes sense. Son of man, man makes sense. Baptism makes sense. Because there's water in the picture, it, it makes sense for it to be Aquarius too. Now, people who understand astrology will say Aquarius is an air sign. It's not actually a water sign and they're correct. However, because there's water in this sign, it's used to describe water. Now, Pisces is the mutable water sign. It's the two fish in the water. So all the water examples, stream, river, pond, lake, sea, ocean, that also applies to Pisces. So the first two signs I talk about are water signs, okay? And it's important to know too that, excuse me, it's important to know too that Pisces is a water sign. Okay, whereas Aries is an air sign. I mean, uh, Aquarius is an air sign. It's also important to know, too, that the year actually starts in Aries. But I started start explaining this in Aquarius because that's the beginning of our new year. Okay, so next is Aries, which is the ram. And in Aries, you have March 21st, which is the spring equinox. It's a 12 hour day, a 12 hour night. It's also the Passover. 
or the passing over of the sun over the equator and back on its way to its height in the summer solstice. That's an astrotheology, the Passover. In Judaism, the Passover is when the sun, the angel of death, passes over the house of all the Egyptians. And anyone that doesn't have the lamb or the ram, Aries the ram, the lamb or the ram's blood smeared on their door, um, their firstborn sons get killed. In Christianity, the passing over is changed and it's called the resurrection of God's son. So it's three separate Passovers, but they all mean the same thing. So whenever you hear ram, lamb, shepherd, or ram's horn, they're talking about Aries. Taurus is the bull. When you look at the sky and you see Taurus during the season where it's supposed to be, you know that you need to put the plow on the bull so that you can plant the seeds so you can harvest in Virgo and Libra. So whenever you hear bull, ox, calf, or cow, you're talking about Taurus. Cow being the female bull, that's why. Gemini is the twins. It's the story of Castor and Pollux Troy, whose sister was Helen of Troy. It's the story of Achilles. That's another Greek story. So whenever you hear twins or brothers, they're talking about Gemini. These keywords are important because that's what we're going to use to decode. Cancer is the crab and it's the sideways moving creature. So just as the sun, so what the sun does is starting on December 25th, it'll rise a degree. Then the next day it'll rise another degree, another degree every day, another degree, another degree. So every day the days get longer, the nights get shorter. When it hits June 21st in Cancer, that's its height. That's the summer solstice. Okay, then what it does is it stays at that height for three days. Okay, so technically it walks sideways. It's a metaphor, just like the crab walks sideways. June 25th, the sun lowers a degree. Then at 26, it lowers another degree, another degree, another degree. Now the nights get longer and the days get shorter. When it hits December 21st, that's <clears throat> when the sun is dead. The sun doesn't rise above the horizon. That's when the sun is metaphorically killed. Then it walks sideways for three days, which is why Jesus was dead for three days. Then it comes back to life on, June, on December 25th. That's why all the gods come to life on December 25th. So whenever you hear crab or beetle, in the ancient Egyptian times, the crab, I mean, the crab was known as the scarab. You even get the word crab from scarab. Okay. So now Leo is the king. He's the lion. He's the king of the jungle. The ruling planet of Leo is actually the sun. So whenever you hear lion, lioness, or cub, you're talking about Leo. Virgo is the woman holding the wheat stalk. So you remember before when we were saying we plant in Taurus, well, the virgins would go out and cultivate the wheat in Virgo in the ancient times in order to make the bread for the year. So whenever you hear virgin, woman, girl, the woman sign, the female sign, that's Virgo. Wheat, grain, seed, barley, corn, grainy things, things that you harvest, that's all done in Virgo, okay? So whenever you hear bread, for example, that comes from wheat, that's Virgo. Whenever you hear beer, that comes from barley, that's also Virgo, okay? Now, Libra is the justice. It's the scales, it's the balance, it's the just one. The reason it's the justice is because it judges God's sun as it passes over the fall equinox and begins its descent into winter, into cold, into death. Libra is also wine season which is when you plant for the grapes in Taurus, you press the wine here. You could ask any Italian or you ever go to a vineyard, they always press it in Libra, September, October. Libra is also olive oil season. That's when you press the olives into oil. So you got three things going on in Libra. You got all law, law stuff, law, judge, justice, justice, the just one, divorce, marriage, court, judgment, 
righteous judgment. That's talking about Libra because it's the justice. Okay. It's also wine, vineyard, wine, press, grapes. That's Libra. It's also olive oil or olive oil. Okay. So you got a lot going on there. Incidentally, frankincense and myrrh are both olive plants as well. As well. So when you mention frankincense and myrrh, you're talking about olives. It's referring to Libra. I'm going to show you how this all pans out. So Scorpio is the scorpion and he is the betrayer. When a scorpion bites you, it leaves an imprint in your skin that looks like a pair of lips. It's why the mafia has the kiss of death. That's where they get that from. It's why Jesus was betrayed by Judas with a kiss. Okay. He represents Scorpio. So the sun is judged in Libra and it's betrayed in Scorpio. Finally in Sagittarius, this is where the bow and the arrow shoot the sun and inflict further punishment on the sun, effectively killing it. Why? Because December 21st, which is the last day of Sagittarius, the sun is at its lowest point. It cannot rise any lower. So the ancients would look out and they would see the sun and it didn't even cross the horizon. Okay. They would see it below the horizon. So they would say the sun was dead. And then it stayed there for three days. Remember how it walked sideways for the crab for three days? It walked sideways here for three days too. So suddenly God's son was dead for three days. And then the birth of God's son, December 25th, it rises another degree and starts to make its way back up top. Now, I know you have a big esoteric audience, but I do podcasts for all sorts of different people who may be Christians or this and that. And uh, some of the feedback I get is, well, Jesus was actually born during the Feast of the Tabernacles or on September 11th. I know it's part of the story. Okay. This is the science behind the story. Okay. So it's where, where you have a story and then you put something behind it. You, you, you change it for it. This is, this is what it is. So whenever you hear horse, bow and arrow, spear, horseman, you're talking about Sagittarius. Then you have Capricorn, finally, which is the goat, because he likes to climb the mountain. So whenever you see the goat, realize this, the zodiac wheel on the right, Capricorn's at the bottom, Cancer's at top. This is how the wheel should look. If you put an imaginary sun at the bottom of Sagittarius Capricorn, right there, that's December 21st. That's the lowest point. Then for three days, it walks at that low point. Then it starts to climb the mountain one degree a day alongside the wheel. It starts to climb in Capricorn. Okay. Just like the goats climb the mountain, the sun starts to climb the mountain back up the journey. It's the hero's journey that Joseph Campbell writes about. Okay. This is what this is. So now there are names. So those are the 12 signs. Those are the keywords. That's all we're going to use to decode this. Okay. Now there are signs. There are names for Jesus in church, given in church, okay, that uh, are astrologically based, that people in church have no idea, okay? When the sun is in Capricorn, Jesus is called the scapegoat of Israel, Capricorn the goat. When the sun is in Aquarius, the man sign, he's the son of man. When the sun is in Pisces, the two fish, he's the fisherman of men. It's also why he could feed the masses with two fish. When the sun is in Aries, he's known as the Lamb of God or the Good Shepherd. When the sun is in Leo, he's known as the Lion of Judah. The lady holding the stalk of wheat, Virgo, he's born of a virgin and he's called the Bread of Life. Libra is the scale of justice. He's known as the Just One. Then he's betrayed in Scorpio. He dies in Sagittarius on December 21st. 
It's also why he's worshipped on the Sunday, whereas the Jewish people worship on the Saturday or the Saturn day because their religion goes back to Saturnalia, pagan worship. Now, I'm going to draw your attention to this picture of Jesus on the left. This is a stereotypical picture that I ripped off the Internet, very similar to all of them. OK, I'm going to draw your attention to a couple of things. The sun is behind his head, that white face that he has, the two fingers up like this. The heart and the the heart and the uh, crown of thorns wrapped around are outside the body. OK, the white and the red cloak. OK, so the sun's behind his head because he represents the sun. If you look at any picture of Jesus, they, <coughs> you can Google any picture of Jesus or whatever search engine you're comfortable with. You'll always see the sun behind his head. The two fingers up like this. This is an ancient comedic peace sign. This is an ancient Egyptian peace sign. This is the original peace sign. This is the British V for victory sign. This is the Winston Churchill war sign. This is not a peace sign. The fingers are separate. It's a separation. This is the ancient peace sign. So when you see Jesus doing this, or you see Buddha doing this, or you see Baphomet doing this, or you see any of these creatures, Satan, Lucifer doing this, they're telling you they're coming in peace. That's what it means. People look over that. Okay, now the heart outside the body represents the human toroidal field, which is an electromagnetic gradient that spreads outside your body. The crown of thorns represents the rays of the sun. Okay, now the white and the red, okay, it's important to know the white and the red. Remember how I told you the Bible is also alchemical? Yeah, okay, well, the white and the red, you have the, uh, the red king and the white queen. It's the, let me, well, I'll simplify it. It's uh, sulfur and mercury in uh, alchemy. It's the marriage of the male and the feminine, okay? Now, the white Jesus picture, his face, is actually a guy named Caesar Borgia who is actually the bastard son of Pope Alexander VI. He's out of the Borgia Illuminati family. So before then, there was no picture of him as such, and it was decided his face would be the face of Jesus from that point forward. So Pope, so Rodrigo Borgia brought his way to the papacy in the 1500s. And what happened was about 80 years before he was Pope, the printing press had come out, okay? So what they did was they were able to mass produce this image. And Caesar Borgia was a bastard. He he killed his brother. He slept with his sister. He was just a hot mess. Uh, but he was the son of the Pope. And he decided to make him the face of. Okay. It's important to know that before, before he was the face of the Pope, Jesus used to be drawn as a young man without a beard and with short hair. Okay. This is where this comes from. Okay. If you look at pictures right here, I just pulled a few. Sun behind the head, heart outside the body. In the second picture, you see the sun behind the head. Sometimes it has a Celtic, not a Celtic, it has a, a Knight's Templar cross in it, okay? Heart outside the body, two fingers up, okay? All these pictures, baby Jesus, sun behind his head, sun behind his head, sun behind his head. You see the alchemical marriage of the clothes too. You see the North Star Polaris that's in all the pictures, okay? That's what it basically is. Okay, this is the human toroidal field. This is an electromagnetic field of the heart. It comes outside your body and goes like this, six feet around your body. Okay, which is why the elites during the pandemic wanted to keep you six feet apart so that you couldn't interact with anyone electrochemically. Wow. wow. Okay, that's what yeah. they wanted to do. That no one could give you a good answer why they wanted to keep you six feet apart. This is why. 
because they know that, Richard. If anybody comes up behind you, you know they're behind you. You're not psychic. They broke your toroidal field. Your fields are in, 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 interchanging with one another. It looks like this when they do. Okay? This is interchanging energy fields. Okay? Now, this on the left is the face of Jesus as he started. And this on the right is Caesar Borgia. Now, it's a rough picture of Caesar Borgia. Remember, they didn't have pictures back then in the 1500s. Yep. It's a rough drawing of him, but the long hair, the facial hair, some of the facial features, you can kind of see where that comes from. Now, it's not an exact match. I wouldn't expect it to be face-to-face, -face, but his face is the, is the picture of Jesus. Okay? Before the Shroud of Turin was discovered in 525 AD, almost all paintings and drawings of Jesus were shown as a beardless young man. Okay, so now we've gone through some of this. So now I'm going to start decoding some things in the Bible. Can I okay. just ask you about the Shroud of Turin just before we move on then? So the Shroud I'm, of gonna, I'm going to move outside real quick because it's a little lighter out. Since so with this Shroud of Turin there then, are they... <sighs> One is that a genuine thing, and they did they use that to try and try and um, kind of solidify or, or give give um, sort of uh, some sort of background to that image? Did they use that and say, "Look, it must be right because we've got this"? Yes, uh, it was. Now you got to understand, is they carbon dated? Remember, carbon dating isn't really accurate. Yeah, up until a certain point, but <laughs> they carbon dated the Shroud of Turin. There's a lot of interesting theories about it. But from everything in my research, uh, it's not legitimate. Mm. It's not legitimate. Uh, it, it seems to be an artifact that popped up in Europe in the, in, in, in the mid-thousands. Um, it does not go back 2,000 years. Um, however, I did read an interesting book. Uh, it was called, well, it was a fiction book, though. But um, it was a book called uh, The Lion and the Lamb, I think. Okay. And it was a story by Thomas Monteleon. And the story revolves around the fact that uh, some scientists extracted DNA from the Shroud of Turin and cloned Jesus. So there has been a lot of fan fiction and there's been a lot of information out about this. But to the best of my ability, the Shroud of Turin is fake. Yeah, no, I would agree. It seems to me that that was a bit of a coincidence that they'd used that and then as evidence to this image was right. But carry on. I just wanted to bring that up because there's some other people I spoke to and it interests me that that. The, the timing of it all but carry on yeah it's it's quite it's an interesting thing um okay so we've got let's start with pride comes before the fall you've heard of this right yeah okay um pride comes before the fall is set to mean basically in religious circles that you got to check your ego and stay humble otherwise it'll cause your downfall but astro theologically with the keywords i've given you do you know what a group of lines is called yeah, pride. The pride, exactly. Group of lions is called the pride. Pride is the lion. Lion is Leo. Leo is in July, August. That comes before the fall. Okay. Next is the book of Micah, 5-2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old from ancient times. However, so this is this is the phrase that basically says that Micah, the prophet, my namesake, um, says that the prophet's going to come or that the savior is going to come from Bethlehem. But you got to understand your languages, too, to be able to decode this. Bethlehem is a Hebrew, a combination of two Hebrew words. 
It's bet, which means house, and lechem, which means bread. So the house of bread. Each zodiac sign is called a house. Okay, this is the house of Virgo. This is the house of bread. So what they're really saying is the savior will come from a virgin. It's encoded, but mm. it's there. Okay. Yep. So now I'm going to read you Deuteronomy 32. Okay. I'm jumping around from book to book to show you that this is a pattern that happens in every single book. So Deuteronomy 32. Okay. He gave them honey from the cliffs and olive oil from the rocky ground. He gave the people butter from the herd and milk from the flock. He gave them lambs and goats. They had the best rams from Bashan and the finest wheat. They drank the best wine made from the juice of red grapes. But Jeshurun became fat and kicked like a bull. So there's eight signs right there, just in that seven-sentence paragraph. Let's go over it. Olive oil is in Libra, as I've mentioned. Okay. Lambs, that's uh, Aries. Goat is Capricorn, the goat. Rams is Aries. The wheat is Virgo, the lady with the wheat stalk. The wine in the red grapes is Libra. That's when you crush the grapes. But Jeshurun became fat and kicked like a bull. That's Taurus. There's also two that I haven't mentioned. He gave them honey from the cliffs. In the sign Cancer, okay, there's a group of stars called the Beehive Cluster. It's an asterism. It's a closely knit group of stars, much like the Pleiades are. It's a group of stars called the Beehive Cluster. So that's where the honey comes from. And then you have the milk from the flock. Well, the milk from the flock comes from the Milky Way galaxy. And the Milky Way galaxy has been called the Milky Way galaxy as far back as the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Okay, so the Milky Way galaxy center is in Sagittarius. So your land from the beehive cluster in Cancer to Sagittarius, those five signs, that's your land of milk and honey. It's not a real place on Earth. It's a celestial metaphor. So there's actually 10 signs in this passage. Mount of Olives. So this is how we're going to start decoding things a little bit better. Jesus led his disciples to the Mount of Olives after his last Passover so that he could teach them a few more things, pray, then wait for Judas to betray him. While walking to the Mount of Olives, he gave the parable of the true vine. So Passover takes place in Aries, as I've mentioned previously. So look at the wheel. You have Aries on the left. Okay. Then after that, he walks to the Mount of Olives. Well, olives I've mentioned are Libra. So they're literally across from one another. Okay, so you're seeing a lot of cross signs and neighboring sign patterns. So Aries to Libra. Okay, while in Libra, they're waiting for Judas to betray him. Well, the betrayal happens in Scorpio, the betrayer, the scorpion. So you go from Aries to Libra, that's cross sign, and then you're waiting for the next sign over. It forms, it forms a pattern. Now, once in Libra, he gives the parable of the true vine, or you could say vineyard or wine press. It doesn't matter. You're still talking about the grapes and the wine. That's still in Libra. So you see how this decodes? Do you see how this yes. It's quite simple when you understand the cipher. Genesis 1-7. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. The firmament is a dividing line between the zodiac signs. Some people call them cusps. Some people call them handover dates. It's a three-day period where one sign hands over the energy to another. Okay. Okay. Firmament is not a dome over a flat earth. That's not what the firmament is. The firmament is a dividing line between the signs. So that three day, that three day um, gap there, is that got um, any connection to the crab 
three day going sideways that, that, that we were talking about there? I mean, it's interesting that you bring that up, but as far as theologically, it doesn't. Okay. It just so happens that, I mean, my, okay, so my birthday is September 26th. I'm actually a cusp of Virgo because Virgo ends September 23rd. So what it is, is, astro- is in astrology, there's handover energy. We're basically some of some of Virgo's energy blends into my Libra. Okay, that's what it basically means. Okay. But the ferments are the dividing line. So look at the dividing line here. Remember Aquarius and Pisces, the two water signs, as I mentioned. And God made the ferment. He divided the waters which are under the firmament. There it is, from the waters which are above the firmament. It makes sense when you understand this. Mm-hmm. Revelation four seven. Okay, again, I'm jumping around these books to show you it's in every single book in the Bible. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Okay. The first living creature was like a lion. That's Leo. The second was like an ox. That's Taurus. The third had a face like a man. That's Aquarius. The fourth was like a flying eagle. In astrology, the Scorpio scorpion is the belly crawling creature. It's the lowest form of life on earth. Uh, You'll remember Richard in the... um, in Genesis, uh, the snake deceives Eve yep. and his punishment, the snake's punishment was that he loses his legs mm-hmm. and he has to slither on his belly. It's a punishment. You've got a lot of churches in Mexico where people basically get up and dress up in nice suits and then they humbly crawl on their hands and knees to church on their belly. Okay. Now it's evolved form or it's called in astrology, the ascendant is the eagle. Okay. Which is the highest flying form of life on earth. The eagle's evolved form is the phoenix, so the eagle becomes Scorpio. So you have Leo, Taurus, Aquarius, and Scorpio. They're the four fixed signs of the zodiac. That's what fascinating I mean by- because the the, the the is it the U.S. dollar that was originally or or the it was a phoenix before and now it's an eagle. They've changed. It's it. still a phoenix. It's still a sorry. Phoenix. Is it the other way around? It was an eagle. Before no, 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 no. You 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 are correct. They say it's an eagle, but it's actually a phoenix. Oh, okay. I knew there was some sort of connection there. Go. It is a phoenix. Yeah, but think about it. I'm telling you the story of Jesus Christ. He's a solar deity. Mm. Okay. What happens? He dies December 21st. He's dead for three days and he's resurrected from his ashes on December 25th. Mm. Okay. Well, what does the Phoenix do? It's a ball of fire, just like the sun that dies into its own ashes and gets resurrected. It's the same story. It's the same story. They keep trying to tell you. Now let's read this one more time. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Now the lion and Aquarius, Leo and Aquarius are opposing signs. There's the pattern. Ox, Taurus, and eagle, Scorpio, they're opposing signs too. When you break it down onto the Zodiac map, that passage makes an X like this. Makes an X through the wheel. Mm Okay. Okay. So that's how you interpret that. Ezekiel 12, 14. Ezekiel's wheel is the Zodiac. Four cherubim, four points on the Zodiac. Spring equinox, fall equinox, Aries, Libra. Winter and summer solstice, Capricorn, Cancer. Each of the cherubim had four faces. One face was like that of a cherub. The second was that of a human being, Aquarius. The third was the face like a lion, Leo. The fourth was the face of an eagle, Scorpio. Okay. Ezekiel's wheel is the Zodiac. Okay, that's what they're talking about. It's not a metaphorical hallucination that he supposedly went through. That's what it is. Now, Ezekiel's in, inaugural, inaugural vision. 
In my 30th year, in the fourth month of the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kebar River, the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. It's important to know that this goes back to Saturn worship, okay? Because you become enlightened as a human being on your 30th year. Do you know why? Because the ancients believed in Saturn worship. The Jews believed in Saturn worship. That's why it's on the Saturn day. That's why they wear the black cube on the head. Yep. Saturn is known as the black planet, the black cube. And it's important to know too that uh, Saturn takes 30 years to go from the point it was at at your birth to when it comes back. It takes 30 years. Okay. So that's why he saw God at 30. I started teaching and writing about this stuff at 30 too. 30 is a pivotal year for humans. Revelation 12, a great sign appeared in the heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads, 10 horns, and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. <clears throat> a woman clothed with the sun is the sun clothed in Virgo. It's a metaphor. If the sun is in Virgo, the moon will be at her feet. So right now you can see outside that it's light. Okay. There's a 12 hour. I'm sorry. There's a, there's 12 signs in the Zodiac. Okay. There's a 24 hour a day clock. So the sun spends two hours a day in each sign. Now, if you were to look at the Zodiac wheel with midnight starting at Capricorn, 4 PM to 6 PM is Virgo. The sun is still out. It's actually now, literally right now, it's 4.44 here in the U.S. where I'm located, okay? It's in Virgo. Well, if the sun is in Virgo, the sun is still out. The moon will be at her feet. It's a metaphor. Because think about it. When the moon is out, the sun is at her feet. It's the same story. So another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous dragon. Its tail swept the third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. The constellation Draco, the dragon, is on the left. Its tail goes from Aries to Sagittarius, which is four-twelfths of the signs or one-third of the stars out of the sky. Okay, so this is just a metaphor. These are all just celestial metaphors. Okay. Revelation 7.4. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. Now, there's religious people who believe that only 144,000 people get to go to heaven. I don't know if you've ever come across that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm going to explain to that. Are you familiar with the chakras? Um, familiar is probably a bit strong. I know I know of them, but familiar is, is probably a bit strong right. for me. Carry on. Yeah. You know, it's fantastic. This is fascinating. There are seven chakras. The root has four petals. The sacral has six. The solar plexus has 10. The heart has 12. The throat has 16, which equals 48. The third eye chakra is represented by 96 and only has two petals because it's two times as powerful as the lower chakras. So 48 times two equals 96. The crown chakra is a thousand times more powerful than the lower six chakras. When you add the lower six, you get 96 plus 48 equals 144. Times that by a thousand, you get your 144,000. So basically, they're talking about the chakras, uh -huh. which goes back even further than the Bible. When you've activated all your chakras, that's when you get to see God. That's when your pineal gland explodes. That's when you that's when you get to visit God. That's what they're talking about. They're not trying to say that only 144,000 people out of the entire history are going to go see God. That doesn't work like that. Matthew 10, 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of the wolves. The sheep is Aries, and the wolf is the constellation Lupus, who borders the Libra line. As you see here, they're opposing signs. There's another pattern. 
It's it would be one thing if they were just talking about random animals. It would be another thing if they were just talking about random zodiac signs. But they're not. They're always using the same specific ones, and they're always making the patterns of cross signs or opposing signs and neighboring signs. That's how you know this was done this way, because it's always making patterns. So I've given examples of astrotheology in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. I've been accused of cherry picking verses from the Bible to prove a point. Let's take a much longer passage, see if we could decode it as well. Have you gotten up to the book of Job yet? No, no, not yet. So Job was a righteous man. And basically he had everything you could think of. He had a home, he had animals, he had family, he had a wife, he had money. And yeah. what happened was Satan went up to God and said, you know, I know he's one of your most faithful servants, but if you started taking away all his riches, he would curse you. And God actually <clears throat> takes him up on the bet. He says, all right, Satan, you can do whatever you want to him, but you may not take his life. So little by little, his stuff starts dying. His, his family starts dying. He starts losing his money. He starts. And at one point, he's just sitting there. He's crying out to God. God actually answers him in the Bible. There's a section in the Bible where God answers Job. And that's what I'm going to read to you. Now, the first sentence that I read to you is going to be what it says in the Bible. The second sentence is, is the correct interpretation. Job 38, 32. Can you lead forth the Maseroth? The Maseroth literally translates to the Zodiac. Maseroth over time becomes Mazalot, which survives in Judaism today as Mazel Tov, and you know how old that is, which means good fortune from the stars. So what is the Lord's challenge to Job? There's two obvious celestial metaphors he starts out with. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Those are obvious metaphors for celestial beings. Can you bring forth the constellations in their season or lead out the bear with its cubs? The constellations are the zodiac above. The bear and its cubs are Ursa Major, the great bear, and Ursa Minor, part of the Big Dipper. Then he says, who can tip over the water jars of heavens? Hello, it's the guy with the water pitcher pouring it out. Aquarius, do you hunt the prey for the lioness and satisfy the hunger for the lions? That's Leo. Who provides food for the raven? That's the constellation Corvus, which means raven and borders on Virgo. Do you watch where the doe bears her fawn? Mriga, meaning deer, is located in Orion. Who let the wild donkey go free? That's a Celis borealis, meaning donkey, and is located in Cancer. Will the wild ox consent to serve you? That's Taurus. The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully. That's Lambda Achille or Al Thaliman, which means two ostriches in Arabic. Do you give the horse its strength? It laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. It does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against its side along with the flashing spear and lance. That's Sagittarius with the bow and the arrow. The spear is an important thing. The two most important, important deaths or murders, I should say, in the Bible involve a spear okay it's the instrument of death and i mentioned that that coordinates with or co collaborates with sagittarius the death um you have jesus obviously yep. the most important one uh the spear of destiny hits him on the side to check if he's dead and then you got cain and abel the first murder i could argue that okay what happens cain hits abel on the head with a rock and then buries him well that's that has nothing to do with a spear in hebrew the name cain literally translates to spear. Okay? Oh, okay. So the spear is the instrument of death. They encode it sometimes. Richard, these are deeply, deeply encoded metaphors. Yeah. And if you have the cipher to understand it, you can, you can appreciate how deep they go.
Okay. Now, does the eagle soar at your command and build its nest on high? That's Aquila, which is the Latin name for eagle and is a constellation a few degrees above the celestial equator. So there's two eagles. You have the, you have the ascendant Scorpio, that's the eagle, and you have Aquila, which is also the eagle. You see the same thing with serpents, okay, when they're talking about the serpent, okay? Ophiuchus is the 13th sign in Sidereal and Vedic astrology. It's the serpent bearer, okay? It's between Scorpio and Sagittarius, okay, which they knew about at the time, Okay. The other one is, uh, it's on the other side of the Zodiac, it's by Aries, Hydra, Hail Hydra, remember, Hail Hydra, it's the same thing, that's the sea serpent. So you have to really distinguish, um, and just like the two water signs in the Zodiac, you have to distinguish between this stuff, you have to understand it all, and distinguish between this stuff in order to get it. Psalm 104, he sends forth springs in their valleys, the wild donkeys quench their thirst, he causes the grass to grow for the cattle. And wine, which makes man's heart glad, so that he may make his face glisten with oil. The high mountains are for the wild goats. He made the moon for the seasons. The sun knows the place of its setting. The young lions roar after their prey. The springs are Aquarius. The wild donkeys are Salus Borealis, which I just taught you, in Cancer. The cattle is Taurus the bull. The wine is Libra. The oil is Libra. The wild goats are Capricorn. The moon for its season and the sun knowing its place and its setting is openly talking about the sun and the moon. The lions were after their prayer, Leo. Okay, this is one passage. Now, one more, Psalm 147. He gives to the beast its food and to the young ravens which cry. He does not delight in the strength of the horse. He does not take pleasure in the legs of the man. He makes peace in your borders. He satisfies you with the finest of the wheat. He gives snow like wool. So the ravens are the constellation Corvus, the horse is Sagittarius, the man is Aquarius, the wheat is Virgo, and the wool from sheep is Aries. Answers to the beginning, how Jesus was able to heal the blind, all this stuff. I told you we'd get into it, right? Well, let's talk about it, how he's able to heal the blind. Well, if you're reading it literally. The story goes that the blind man came up to Jesus. He licked his fingers and touched his eyes and suddenly he was able to see. Okay. That's the story. However, the sun does the same thing too. Like right now I'm out. The sun is out. So I could see, but when the sun goes down, we're blind. Mm -hmm. It's only when the sun comes up in the morning and touches your eyes that you're given the gift of sight again. Okay. How we walked on water. Have you ever seen a sunset, a sunset on a lake before? Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, but Christos, in Greek, Christos means oil, or it means anointed, anointed one, but it means oil, okay? Does oil not also walk on water? Mm -hmm. It's a double entendre. You see how they snuck that in there? It means three different things that all make perfectly sense, that all make perfect sense. How he turned water into wine. So this is not a parlor trick. This is actually a process based on the celestial information I gave you. So do you know why God is considered a man and Mother Earth is considered a woman? I don't know, actually. Um, various theories I've heard in the past, but but um, they all seem to sort of yeah be grasping at something they're not quite getting to. So no, it's no. It's very simple. It's actually very simple. It has to do with... Um... Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can still hear you. Okay, it has to do with uh, the rain, God's rain. See, what happens is God's sacred fluid comes down on earth. 
Okay. And then her belly gets impregnated and then food and fruit and all life grows from it. That's why she's a woman. In Hebrew, the word for rain is semen. We get the word semen from it. It's the sacred fluid. So now what happens? Taurus, remember? Remember the bowl you plant? Yep. Well, Taurus is also April showers bring May flowers. So it rains and it rains and it rains. You plant the seeds. It rains and it rains and it rains throughout the year. And then in Libra, you pick the grapes and you crush them into wine. That's how you turn water into wine. It's not a parlor trick. It's a, it's a, it's a farmer's almanac process. Okay. Just like most of this book is why he had 12 disciples. We went over this basically Judas representing Scorpio. Yeah. You know that uh, John the Baptist would clearly be the man with the water pitcher in Aquarius. Okay. And um, you've got Simon Peter too. I'll give you a third example. Simon Peter. Okay. Your name is Richard. People probably call you Rick or rich. Mm -hmm. My name is Micah. People call me, well, Micah, Mickey, whatever. There's name, nicknames make sense, but to go from Simon to Peter doesn't make sense unless you understand astrology. Okay. Simon becomes Peter. Okay. The ruling planet. Well, let's start with this. Um, how do I explain this? Simon goes to Peter, becomes Peter, okay? Simon's job was a fisherman. Sorry, I just had a, I was hearing something out there. Um, Simon's job was a fisherman, okay? So where are the fish in the Zodiac? Pisces, right? The two fish? Okay, do you know what the ruling planet of Pisces is? Nope. It's Jupiter or Jew-Peter. Okay. So each one of these zodiacs, each one of these zodiac signs equals one of the disciples. Okay. Now, why he was betrayed with a kiss by Judas, we went over that. Why he was dead for three days, we've gone over that. Why is his birthday on December 25th? We went over that. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just random passages in the Bible that could be decoded this way. We're going to go through the entire book of Matthew to show how deep this runs. Now, do you have any questions before I jump into Matthew? Because this is this is going to take like 15 minutes, but then it's pretty much going to be where we wrap up. Yeah, yeah. There's one question, actually. Um, I've heard um, some people talk about the fact that there's 12 disciples, but there was 13 months in the year at one point. There was another star sign um, at some point that would have been represented by Jesus in some sort of form or matter. Is that something that you come across? We have the 12 disciples. You have the 12 disciples and Jesus being the 13th. Yeah. Jesus being the 13th, he's the sun. He's a star. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the other thing, too, you have to understand, it's important for you to understand this. You have to grasp this right now, Richard, is that the zodiac and the month calendar do not line up. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you ever notice that um, they start kind of like in the middle or in the 20s. Yeah. Okay. Um, when you're talking about, when you're talking about the zodiac signs, um, they're broken down into three 10 day cycles. They're called deacons. Okay. A three 10 day period in the zodiac sign that makes up the whole sign. The first deacon, second deacon, third deacon. That's why the church has deacon. Okay. You also have cardinal signs in the zodiac. Okay. That's why you have cardinals in church. Okay? So are we living out a sink? Are we living out a kilter? No, we're, we're in sync with everything. Okay. The Zodiac is, is fine. Yeah. Um, the, the, the calendar has never been a hundred percent accurate. The, our, 
our calendar, the Gregorian calendar, the other calendar, it's never a hundred percent. Right. That's why I have leap days. Um, in the Jewish religion, you have a leap month after what, what's basically December. They, it's called December two. It's called Adar Shani. Yeah. It's a, it's a second 30 day, every four years, it's a second 30 day month. The calendars are never a hundred percent accurate. Okay. But the Zodiac through the days, makes sense okay so, so why did, did you, before we move on why was this this information obviously the, the way of looking at the world and understanding the world this was a whole process that they went through why was this put into this story and then why was the real meaning of this story hidden and made to be literal like at some point, this, one. this is the yeah. best way and you're not the first one to ask this my point, once again, is not that those ancient people told st literal stories and we are now smart enough to take them symbolically, but that they told them symbolically and we are now dumb enough to take them literally. Mm. Okay? Yeah. That's basically what it is. I have taken... But who these... did that? What, who was who did that? And well, it's not just the Bible. Such. You have to understand, Richard, it's not just the Bible. Oh, okay. These are the books that I've decoded with this passage, with this, with this, with this, with this cipher. Okay? Books not biblically related, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, the Enuma Elish, Epic of Gilgamesh, that's Sumerian, Enuma Elish, that's Babylonian, Code of Hammurabi, the Quran, the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Mm. These all are made with the same patterns. Why? Richard, we have clocks, watches, smartphones, tablets, anything you, we have weathermen. They didn't have any of that, my friend. They didn't have any of that. So what they did was they had to learn the sky for thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. Okay. And what they did was, you know, um, sacred information. Uh, what do people do? People corrupt it. People try and hide it. Okay. So what they did was they hid it in here. Why? Because they had to, because they had to, this is basically a farmer's almanac. Okay. The Bible, it's just written with with crude verbiage as they knew 2000 years ago, because we've gotten refined and more sophisticated with the Renaissance and with the enlightenment and all that. We've, we've really, our writing has gotten better, but our understanding of this has gotten shittier. Whereas their, their writing was shittier and their metaphors and their understanding was beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's because they didn't have any of that. They had a sundial. The Egyptians would look at the sky. They would see Horus. They would say, where's Horus? He took 12 steps in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So they had to do that. Um, it's important to know that, that we basically, um, if there was a cataclysmic event, right? If, if let's say World War III went on, World War III happened, um, finding God on rebuilding society would be very low on the list. Spirituality would be very low. We need to know which plants are poisonous, right. which we can eat, which are not. We need to hunt. We need to do this. And we need to know the temperature because winter can't just sneak up. You remember in uh, Game of Thrones, winter is coming. Mm -hmm. That was a serious fucking thing they used to say to each other because it was serious. You yeah. read about them in the Bible too. They're talking about famines and they're talking about desolation. Um, that's what it was. So what they did was they had to encode all this stuff because if they ever had to restart, they were able to learn where the stars were, where the planets were, what everything meant. So it was the first survival guide. This, yes. Well, not the Bible, because it goes back further yeah. to the Sumerians. But this code, this encoding, yes. 
this encoding, I could do a whole series with you, Richard, on all the work that I've done. It's not just the gospel. It's not just the Gnostic text. It's all the uh, ancient ones that I've shown you, the Quran, even further back, the Babylonians, the Sumerians. It's all the same stuff. So my last question before we get on to this next next section of the book of Matthew would be, why has this been hidden from the common man and who hid it? Absolute power corrupts absolute. You've heard that, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Um, they all used to speak like this. Richard, before 325 AD, and everybody knows about Constantine and the Council of Nicaea, mm-hmm. Christians were known as Heliognostics. That was their name. Helios meaning sun in Greek, and Gnosis means knowing. They were sun worshippers. Yeah. Okay? They were all sun worshippers. In fact, the Jews didn't even invent monotheism. Akhenaten did to a solar deity hundreds of years before. Okay, so they lie to you about a bunch of stuff. They confuse you because they keep you from your your true power. Now, remember, Richard, I also told you that the Bible is seven sciences. I'm only doing one of them. Okay, The, the Bible is an incredible story. And the problem with people is they don't give it as much credit as it deserves. Even the people that worship it, they have no idea how deep it goes. Would you like to see the book of Matthew? Would you like me to show yes. you? Just, yeah, just move on. This is fascinating. Thank you. So repent of your Matthew 3, 2. We're going to go line through line through this. Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Each gospel begins at one of the four major points of the Zodiac and ends at one of them as well. The two solstices and the two equinoxes, one connected, form a cross. This is known as the cross of God's son. The kingdom of heaven is Leo, whose ruling planet is the sun. This is the only sign that the sun rules over. The closest of the four points is June 21st in Cancer. This is where the gospel starts. Okay. On the left, I've put the go- the wheel so you can see the patterns that I'm about to make with them. Yeah. Okay. This is going to get very deep, but I'm going to I'm going to show it to you with precision. Okay. This is the firmament between Cancer and Leo, the dividing line. And I explained the firmament to you already. I explained to you what it means. It's the beginning of the kingdom. There's a saying in the Bible that says the firmament shows God's handiwork. The firmaments are the dividing lines between signs. Now, the next passage, Matthew 3, 4, John's clothes were wove from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. So what stands out to me there, I don't know about you, is the camel hair clothing and eating locusts. Mm. Right? Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, the locusts being a bit pops out as the uh the end times kind of nod possibly there right you're talking about klaus schwab and everybody nowadays with the eaten bug paste and all that stuff right okay well if we take the most famous drawing of a man leonardo da vinci's vitruvian man and superimpose it onto the zodiac we can make sense of this as well i just used it i just used the vitruvian man because it makes the most sense for this but in reality i could have used anything i could have used anything that that would have made this pattern now watch this Cancer being the head is why he eats the wild honey. In cancer, there's a star cluster called the beehive cluster. Bees produce honey. You understand that? Mm -hmm. Leviticus 11, what's clean and unclean to eat. All flying insects that walk on all fours are to be regarded as unclean by you. There are, however, some flying insects that walk on all fours that you may eat. Those that have jointed legs for hopping on the ground. Of those you may eat any kind of locust, there it is. 
Katie did cricket or grasshopper. So when they're trying to get you to eat bugs nowadays, know that it's biblical. Okay, it goes back to that. A little lower. Okay, so we were in Leo, remember? Then we're in Cancer for the honey. Now we're in Gemini. Okay, so you're following the pattern, right? The connecting signs. Yep. Okay. A little lower on the body is the clothes made out of camel hair or camelopardalis, which is a constellation in Gemini. So right now you have the head in the upper body so far. So that's why you have the camel hair. <clears throat> now we're going to go from Gemini to Taurus. <clears throat> Moving a little lower on the body, you'll get his midsection, which is where you would wear a belt. Taurus represents the bull and the female is the cow. And the cow is where you get the leather. Regarding the belt, Orion's belt sits between Taurus and Gemini. So next would be the baptism. Now, how are we going to go from the beginning of Leo to a water sign to signify the baptism? You would go across the zodiac. Cross signs, as they are known, are signs opposite location. For example, Aries and Libra are cross signs. This is very important. A sign's two most important signs are its neighboring, well, three most important signs are its two neighboring signs and its mm -hmm. cross sign. Yeah. This is encoded in the book as well. Here we see how it makes a leap from one firmament to the other. The man with the water pitcher in Aquarius is personified as John the Baptist with the water. It's important to note, too, that John the Baptist and Jesus are always exactly six months apart, which they tell you in the Bible. But why? When you think about the fact that Jesus is born on December 25th and rises a degree a day, then that must mean that John the Baptist is born on June 24th and decreases a degree a day. This is why in John 3.30, John says, he must increase, but I must decrease. It's also why St. John's Day is exactly six months to the day of the birthday of Jesus. Look up any Catholic calendar. June 24th is Holy St. John's Day. The next story is the temptation of Jesus. So we're going back to the Cancer Leo firmament of July 24th. This is simple. He's tempted for 40 days. So count 40 days. 40 days brings you to September 2nd. That's right in the middle of Virgo, the lady with the wheat stalk, the bread, remember? So what's the very next passage? Matthew 4, 3. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Here we see mention of the bread, which tells you that the son is in Virgo. Then the next passage, Matthew 5, 17 and 22, I did not come to abolish the law. And if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. This takes place in Libra. Okay. Matthew 7, 15, 16, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep. And can you pick grapes from the thorn bushes? The sheep are the ram in Aries and the grapes are in Libra. Once again, these are opposing signs. Moving along, Matthew 13. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. The story now moves from Libra to the barrier between Aquarius and Pisces, because he's right beside the lake or the two water signs. Now, if he said he was in the water, he'd be in, in one of the signs. But because he's beside the lake, he's between it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that would be in one of those three days. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Hold on. I'm sorry. I'm having unstable internet connection. You're right. It's not, it's not as bad as I think you think it is. It's actually fine. Okay. So right beside the lake are the two water signs. If you follow that across, it takes you to Leo Virgo firmament as it's across from Virgo the wheat stalk in the grains. Is it ironic that the next parables from Jesus are the wheat and the weeds, the mustard seed, and the yeast? Moving right along, next is the fishing net parable. 
So now we go back from Leo Virgo to Aquarius Pisces to touch Pisces so that we could talk about the fish in Pisces. Does this make sense how this all like lies out? Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure. Gemini is the sign of the two men, technically twins. However, there's just a short mention of brothers in the next passage. He's just the carpenter's son, and we know Mary, his mother, and his brother, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. This ends at the firmament of Gemini Cancer. How do we know this? So you see the Gemini Cancer border right here, the firmament? Yep. If you follow that to its cross sign, that's the Sagittarius Capricorn firmament. Do you know what day that is? Oh, don't know. No. December 21st. Do you remember what happens on December 21st? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he dies and comes back three days exactly. later. Exactly. Well, he doesn't come back, but he dies December 21st. So that's the day of death. Whenever you're talking about a death in the Bible, they refer to that date. Okay. What's the very next passage? The very next story is the death of John the Baptist. You see how this follows? Mm-hmm. As I've mentioned previously, death comes at the end of Sagittarius. The ferment of Sagittarius, Capricorn, and Gemini Cancer are opposing signs. So let's pause. Let's take this sentence, which sounds like it could be in the Bible, but isn't. I just want to prove how the Bible is encoded. Sure. Okay. If anybody's confused at this point, if I say to you, the rulers were divided between war and love, it split the land in half. You could read that as a literal translation or the ruling planet of Aries is Mars. Who's the God of war. The ruling planet is Le- of Libra is Venus. Who is the goddess of love. There is your war and love. If you connect it, it literally splits the Zodiac or the land in half. Mm-hmm. These are all just celestial metaphors. Matthew 14, 17, and 32. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. The bread and the fish are opposing signs in the zodiac. Also, Pisces is the two fish, which is why Jesus fed the masses with two fish. So why five loaves of bread? Well, the zodiac year starts in Aries. If you count five signs from Aries, it takes you to Virgo. That's why it's five loaves of bread. This is the cross of God's sun, sun. This is connecting the solstices and the equinoxes. We were just in Virgo, and now next is Libra, which is law, wine, and olives, remember? What stories do we get now from Jesus? The story of the temple tax, the unforgiving debtor, the divorce and marriage, and the parable of the vineyard worker. It all all lines up. Then next is Scorpio, the betrayer. This is where Judas betrays Jesus with the kiss. And then next is Sagittarius, which is the death. Here's where Jesus is crucified on the cross. And that, my friend... That's the first half, my friend. That's incredible. So quick question before we wrap it up and we kind of digest all that. If I took the the 24-hour clock and I put that zodiac sign on the clock, obviously you've got 12 hours, 24 hours in in a day. They've just gone around twice. How would that work out? No, 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 no. no. That's not how it goes. Yeah, no, I didn't think it was. I just wanted to ask the question whether that was. Let me pull this back up again. Hold on, hold on, hold on one sec. I'm, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll pull this back up again. Let's show you the Zodiac wheel. It wouldn't go around twice, but what you would do, is you see Capricorn? Two hours in each. Capricorn would each. be 12 to 2. Aquarius yeah. would be 2 to 4. That's how it would work. Yeah, so it's two hours in each sign, yeah. That's right. Get that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's fascinating. So people envisioned that, who are watching this, and they can go look at their clock and say, if they spent two hours in each star sign, you would see why the clock goes round in that way and, and the sun would move in accordance during your day, in your daily life. That's right. It's incredible. You're staring at look, every day I, I, and you I just don't know this, this stuff. Look, 
look at this. Look at this. Let me just show you this. This is part of the next thing we're going to do. We're going to do another time. But look, the sun tells the hour of the day. The moon tells the day of the month. The zodiac tells the month of the year. It's a perfect calendar. Mm. If that's not if that's not part of a creator, I don't know what is. But this is the thing. So in the middle of our. No- I'm sorry. Well, I just wanted to ask you, just finish that sentence. And I've got one more question I want to ask you. Yeah, I was just going to say is that in our little neck of the woods where we are, you know, in the Milky Way galaxy, we have within our visual cortex have the ability to see a perfect clock. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. So I'll go away and look at the clock and just think, especially even that knowledge of knowing there's two hours in each sign makes total sense. Do you know how many thousands of years? Do you know how many thousands of years it took people to figure out? And then they would see they would see action in the sky. They would see Saturn was a lot closer. It would do this. Yeah. And then meteors and this and that. And suddenly Zeus was pissed. And this would happen. All these stories would come out. And then the real tragedy is people started taking it literally. So when did they because start taking is, it literally? Yes. Yeah, sorry. Yes. Yeah, that's my next question. Thousands of years ago, you used to be able to, you used to be able to, what they would do is they would see all this stuff. And then before they had writing, they would verbally ex- talk. And when they started talking, they would explain to their children all these fantastic stories. They pass it down that way. Eventually they started writing it down. And then what happened was um, they started writing it down. They started writing it down. And then people started taking it literally, you know, um, the further along, the further along we went, but the ancients didn't, the ancients didn't, they knew this, they, they knew this was all, all the above. It's incredible. So you're personally, so you just said that if you, it's a perfect clock, you've got the moon, obviously the sun, um, the moon, and then the calendar itself. It's a perfect clock. Do you believe yourself there is a creator? Then this this was designed. This is a there is an intelligence here. I do. I'm not going to perceive to understand it, mm. but I, I you can kind of you can kind of see marks of creation. See my my issue with uh, the religious people, the the very religious people. Okay, that take these books literally, they're really missing out. And then I don't really agree with their interpretations. They get very angry when you don't believe the way they do. They, they, they don't understand this. But then you have the atheists too. And then the atheists, I'm under, I believe that most atheists don't believe in God as a reaction to how obnoxious religious people are. They're not actually using their head. You know, when, when I talk about a creator, I talk about, um, do you have any children? Yeah, I've got a little boy. He's nearly two years old. Aw. Okay, so perfect. I'll use you as an example, okay? So your little boy is literally half of you, mm. DNA-wise, right? He's literally half of you. He's literally you, but he's outside your body, Don't and you experience him. You can learn with him. You can figure things out out but you he's outside your body you experience him as something separate that's the idea of god god is everything and we're all a part of it just just experiencing itself because if god is infinite nothing exists outside of infinity and even if you don't believe in that um which i do 
I think that there's fingerprints of creation. I think Graham Hancock pointed out, or as he titled his his work, I think it was him. I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fingerprint of the gods. Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I truly do. Um, I have a YouTube channel where I basically have all my work, but I would love to do this with your audience and let them pick a, a topic or pick a book. You know, I would love to do the second half with you sometime soon. But um, yeah, that's that's the first half. I hope it showed you. I hope it, it opened you up into a different way. Oh, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And it, I mean, I knew what history theology is. I've looked at Santo ben, Santos Bonatti's stuff and I've, I've, um, I'm fascinated by this. And I'm not just fascinated by it. It makes far more sense than anything else I've ever been told. It, it's quite logical once you can understand the patterns. I mean, not, I'm not claiming to understand everything you've just told me. I need to watch this probably 20 times before I, I, I grasp it. But it makes far more logical sense than what you've just told me, that this is a sky clock and it's encoded in these stories. Um, thank you for your time. And we're definitely we're going to do a do part two and go through the second part of this, maybe in a couple of weeks time, three weeks time when I'm back from filming in Scotland. Where can people find your work and connect with you before you go? Thank you. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Real Mr. Dank. You can spell out Mr. Uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Micah Dank. I also have a, uh, a book series out about this. It's called Into the Rabbit Hole. Um, where they're basically Dan Brown type thrillers where the characters figure out the truth about the world. And I go into about 40 different esoteric sciences. It's called Into the Rabbit Hole. I do sell signed copies too. So if you guys are interested, but yeah, I would love to let's, let's set a date or something when we can do the second half. Cause that stuff is interesting. That's not so much as stretching your brain to, to remember all the information in every sign, but that's just like factoids that we can like go over. That's absolutely fantastic. I'll put all the links below. So, guys, you go and check out the link, links below and the book series sounds fascinating. And we'll do this in, in maybe three or four weeks' time. We'll do part two. And then let's chat about what other things we can do too because this, this information is changes the way you look at the world. I really appreciate your time and you getting up early and, and speaking to me. So, guys, please go and check out the links below. Mika, thank you for your time, and we'll speak to you in a week's time. Take care. Goodbye. Thanks, Richard. Thanks. Your call is important to us. Hello and welcome to tonight's show. You've arrived at your destination. Connecting.